You're listening to And hey, you're listening to Books and Bobo, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Marvin Yeh. And I'm Rira Yu. And we are here for our April 2023 Mint Month Book News Check-In, where we go over the latest Asian American book and publishing news. Um, so yeah, we got a we got a we got a hefty list this month. Yeah. Um, I guess. I mean, it has nothing to do with Asian American Heritage Month, oh, surely. but it feels like <laughs> it feels like we're we're gearing up towards it with uh, all these book deals. Yeah. So, without further ado, let's just get into it. Um, as always, we begin our mid-month check-ins by going over the latest Asian American uh, publishing news, taking a look at what's coming up ahead in Asian American literature. So, uh, Rira, what is our first deal? All right, so our first deal is FSG acquired the middle grade novel Maybe It's a Sign by E.L. Shen. After the sudden loss of her father, seventh grader Freya Jun Sun discovers that the superstitions and expectations inherited from him are getting in the way of moving on from her loss and finding out who she really is. Publication is set for winter 2024. Yeah, so E.L. Shen is the author of The Comeback, which is about figure skating so this is uh this is a departure from that topic (laughs) yeah i mean dead parent stories are i wouldn't say something i seek out in my life but it's an experience that i know people go through and especially hard on kids and so it's nice to see that there is a version of that story for kids of chinese and asian backgrounds because you know, the way that we grieve is a little bit different than, you know, like mainstream grieving, right? Yeah. What are the uh, ways that, um, I guess, like Chinese people grieve? Because um, like, because uh, in like Korea, like our, we have like the 49 days uh, of grieving. So that's yeah. the thing that's... Honestly, I don't know. I have I have to ask my parents because every time that we've done like Chinese funerals, I've pretty much just done what I was told, right? That you either have like a funeral planner who walks you through the rituals or you just follow your parents and do what they do. I think that's Yeah, I was I was just curious because the the book says like it mentions superstitions. So I don't know if it's like superstitions about death and like uh, traditions, but it could also be superstitions in general um, because all of our Asian parents have their own superstitions. And, you know, I guess like we kind of um, retain that as we as we grow up. Anyway, what's our second book deal? Okay, um, Scholastic Press bought frazzled author Bookie Vivat's graphic illustrated middle grade novel, Meet Me on Mercer Street. The book follows aspiring artist Casey, who must use her sketchbooks and observational skills to figure out where her best friend has disappeared to, why her neighborhood is changing, and what, if anything, she can do about it. Publication is planned for spring 2024. Because the main character is using sketchbooks, I wonder what the art style is going to be. I wonder if we're going to be like 
seeing uh, like pencil sketches in in the panels. Yeah, I took a look at her um, Frazzled series and the art style does definitely lend to a sketchbook aesthetic. So sounds exciting. Sounds like a lot of fun. I'm excited to um, learn more about um, this, I guess, middle grade is it a mystery? It's kind of giving me mystery vibes, right? Like, a- Yeah, it does sound like a mystery. I love stories where kids are, you know, are kind of playing like Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yeah, always a lot of fun. All right, next up, Little B Books acquired world rights to Seeker of Truth, Kailash Satyarthi's Fight to End Child Labor, written by Shravidya Venkat and illustrated by Danica da Silva Pereira. This picture book biography is about 2014 Nobel Peace Prize laureate Kailash Satyarthi's lifelong mission to end child labor around the world. Publication is slated for summer 2024. Wow. Talk about a timely announcement given the um, did you hear about the child labor laws going on in Iowa this week? No, I haven't. But oh. I recently watched uh, last week tonight and they did a whole episode on uh, child labor in, in farms. So, yeah. yeah. Well, apparently in Iowa now it's legal to hire um, kids 16 and up for up to six hours a day. Like in any job? Yeah. That's nuts. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, yeah. Child labor making a comeback in um, America. I mean, it never disappeared. <laughs> it's just now. Now it's legal. More. Now it's legal in Iowa. Oh, well. We used to be more discreet in (laughs) terrible things. What happened? Well, hopefully books like this will help uh, educate the next generation in like reminding us that, hey, wait, child labor is kind of not good. Not kind of, just not good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Our next deal, Harper Teen acquired in an exclusive submission Axios YA Romance ASAP. Set in Seoul, the novel follows the wealthy daughter of a K-pop company owner who must weigh her love for her K-pop star ex-boyfriend against the potential damage to her family and his reputation if the public finds out about their relationship. Publication is scheduled for winter 2024. Let me just say, just just don't help your ex on this. (laughs) It's a bad... I don't know. I see a lot of red flags. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... I think there's something peculiar about just Asian, like the Asian pop culture idol world where like something like this would just be like another day in the news in America, but in like countries like Korea, countries like Japan and Taiwan, it's like the biggest deal in the world. And I mean, not so much anymore. Like dating has become like way more acceptable, especially, uh, um, like between celebrities, obviously there's going to be like hate and uh, fan wars, but a lot of the times it does blow over after like a couple weeks, as long as like people are not uh, being, I guess, like explicit with details on their relationship. <laughs> uh, but this is Axie O's like second book that has uh, K-pop in it. Her previous book, XOXO also had a k-pop idol love interest so um yeah diving back into that world yeah 
All right, next up, Amazon Publishing's Thomas and Mercer imprint paid seven figures for North American rights to the first two books in Tess Gerritsen's The Martini Club series. The first book, titled The Spy Coast, follows Maggie Bird, a retired CIA operative in small town Maine, who must tackle the ghosts of her past with the help of her local circle of old friends. The Spy Coast will be released in October. Yeah, this sounds like, I guess. Would this be like the cozy version of a spy thriller? I don't know. I feel like those two things don't go together. Don't go together. You have like a retired former spy. I feel like this isn't a thriller. It's more like a slice of life about a retired spy and just like them recovering. Yeah, well, it looks like Tess Gerritsen is the author of like the Resilient Isles series and her bread and butter is like political and like medical thrillers so my hunch is that this is going to be more thrillery than than a slice of life <laughs> yeah it could kind of be like broad church so yeah who knows yeah all right um next up harper collins won at auction with twice the love desi may a middle grade novel by justina chen um, the book is about 12-year-old Desi May Breedlove, who moves to Seattle and meets a girl who looks exactly like her. The girls learn that they were adopted from the same orphanage in Hunan, only Desi was adopted into a white family and her twin adopted into a Taiwanese-American one. Publication is scheduled for summer 2024. This reminds me of the 2015 documentary Twinsters, which was about uh, two identical uh, Korean twins who find each other through Facebook. So. Yeah, that was Sam Futterman's um, documentary, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that doc came out about the same time as um, our other friend Dan Matthews's um, online docuseries, aka Dan, where he finds his twin brother (laughs) yeah where he after doing a birth search finds his birth family and his twin brother yeah it's funny with like dan matthews because i remember like uh right before he went to korea for uh for that documentary like he was just like casually saying oh yeah i found my birth parents and um i have a twin brother apparently (laughs) and i was like you're joking right like he said it so casually that yeah. I was like I was like wait this this happens in real life like you you like find out that you have an identical twin brother or twin sister so it's Yeah, the fact that yeah, both it, of those stories happened around the same time it really makes you think about how how often this stuff happens and so I like that they're exploring that story here. I feel like there's a lot of uh themes that can be explored in this book so uh congratulations to justina uh, looking forward to reading it all right next up harper collins acquired world rights to Araki for rakesh written by nadia solomon uh the author of good night ganesha and illustrated by nabi h ali the picture book is about a brother and sister duo who explore the importance of forgiveness family and what it means to be a caring sibling as they celebrate the hindu holiday of raksha bandhan Publication is planned for summer 2025. Yeah, our first Asian holiday book of uh, April 2023. I am not familiar with Hindu holidays, but I'm glad, as always, that there are books now exploring them. Yeah, more holiday books. It helps for uh, compiling lists because, (laughs) you know, like I feel like, for example, like uh, we have there are books about Chinese New Year but we need more diversity in like Lunar New Year. So I'm, I am really glad that we are getting more books on holidays outside of uh, East Asian culture. Yeah. 
All right. Next up, Entangled Teen acquired the Lotus Flower Championship by mother-daughter authors Pintip Dunn and Love Dunn. Pitched as Squid Game meets Peter Pan with folktales from Thailand, this fantasy thriller is about a girl with OCD who is marooned with 11 other people on a remote island that looks like paradise but feels like hell due to the machinations of a scientist desperate to unlock their latent psychic abilities. Publication is planned for fall 2023. That, man, that description was quite a lot. Yeah, and... I, I love how this is a mother-daughter uh, author duo, you know? Like, how does that work? Um, I'm curious, too. Maybe we should ask them one of these days. But, um, yeah. I've never watched Lost, but it does give me Lost vibes. Yeah, you know? if Lost was a death game, um, that's kind of what I'm getting here. Um, have you seen um, Yellow Jackets yet? No, I haven't. Similar vibes there, too. Um, but, yeah. I'll, I mean... The Death Game slash Lord of the Flies slash, you know, Deserted Island. It's a timeless setup. And I'm excited to see um, how this one uh, goes with that. Yeah. I mean, it does sound like hell if you're someone with OCD and you have to deal with uh, 11 other people. (laughs) Yeah. And then there's psychic ability. So, you know, espers. Espers. Yes. (laughs) All right. Next up, Holiday House imprint Margaret Ferguson Books bought... A Story of Our Own by APALA medalist Cal Kalia Yang. The YA memoir is about Yang's journey to becoming a writer in a Hmong American refugee household and the stories that kept her family together. Publication is slated for summer 2025. Yeah, this sounds really cool. Um, always great to see more Hmong representation in, in our book deals. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about how representation has grown over the last few years, um, but there's still a lot more work to do. You know, there isn't nearly as much as it should be. And even within the Asian American representation umbrella, um, there are still lots of voices that still need to be elevated and still needs to be heard. And I'm glad that we're seeing more authors from different backgrounds um, writing stories and memoirs. Um, All right, next up, Clarion acquired world rights to Diana Ma's middle grade contemporary novel, The Rainbow Fair. When Sophie Hu is put in charge of the Muslim booth at her middle school's Rainbow Fair, she has to navigate the complexities of friendship and intersectional cultural identities as a Chinese Muslim girl. Publication is scheduled for winter 2025. Intersectionality is very important. And like we said, uh, the Chinese American diaspora is, you know, there. there is a lot there. There's a lot of, you know, different variations. Yeah. I mean, Chinese Muslim is like actually a pretty sizable population within China. Um, many of the Western provinces are majority Muslim. And-, and we've had Diana Ma on our show before. She's the author of Eris, apparently. So if you want to uh, listen to how she got into writing, check out that episode. Yeah. All right. Next up, Abrams bought journalist Ellen Lee's middle grade narrative nonfiction book, We Are Warriors. The book tells the story of Chinese Americans from their arrival in the U.S. in the mid-19th century to today. Publication is projected for fall 2024. Always glad to see more historical books meant for young readers as someone who did not uh, take any Asian American studies class, who did not get any exposure to it in grade school. It's nice that there are books that are accessible to younger readers. Yeah, <laughs> teaching Asian American history to kids is um, is 
I think is a net positive. I, I wish I had more context in like Chinese American history specifically growing up. All right, next up, in an exclusive submission, Bloomsbury bought world rights to A Year of Kites written by Monisha Bajaj and illustrated by Amber Wren. The picture book takes readers on a journey around the globe, showing how kites are flown to honor gods and ancestors, bring good fortune, celebrate milestones, and join communities together. Publication is set for winter 2025. You know, I never thought about kites being a global activity. Yeah, me neither. Um, I actually, kites is like a cultural blind spot in my childhood. I don't remember ever like really flying a kite. I know we made kites in elementary school, but I don't think I ever got it to work. Yeah, I, I know kites are a big thing in West Asia. So um, I guess we'll be learning more about that. You know, there is a lot of like uh, tradition in uh, kite flying over there. Yeah. All right. Next up in a preempt, Roaring Brook acquired Susie Yee's debut YA graphic novel, When a Tiger Flies. The book follows a 16-year-old Korean-American prodigy as she attends her first year at Harvard. A daughter of a tiger mom, Ara is far from her overprotective family and struggles with school, friendships, and a toxic first love, and discovers that she herself is a tiger too. Strong, fierce, and resilient. Publication is planned for spring 2025. Woof, being the daughter of a tiger mom. <laughs> yeah, also like, I don't know. I know it's a big deal and I know people do this all the time, but 16 years old is way too young to be going to college, especially on your own, right? Yeah, you say that, but um, like the author of Front Desk, Kelly Yang, she went to Harvard at like 13. <laughs> it's it's definitely a different experience. And, you know, like I'm I'm kind of glad that like this main character is away from her overprotective family, you know, like when you're in a household where you have like a strict parent like that, you say it's hard that. to discover yourself. You say that, but I rem distinctly remember my college roommate. And even though he lived like 10 hours away from his father, he was still under his thumb, like wow. daily phone calls about oh, what that sounds so stressful. <laughs> Like, yeah. Like, well, it also, I don't know. It's a complicated relationship. Yeah. All right. Next up, HarperCollins bought in a preempt Shim Chong by Fred Ebb award-winning composer, lyricist, and debut author Julia Ryu. Pitched as a Korean princess story inspired by the author's own life and the blind man's daughter folktale, the middle-grade novel is a royal fantasy with princesses, family secrets, dueling kingdoms, all with a female-centered narrative. Publication is planned for fall 2025. I'm looking up the tale of Simchong because I like do not remember what what it was. I feel like I should know. Um, do you know what the blind man's daughter is? Is that Simchong? Yeah, that is Simchong. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I know. Okay, no, no. I looked at Wikipedia and now I know. So Simchong is a story about a woman who throws herself into the Indang Sea as a sacrifice so that her blind father can regain his eyesight and she becomes uh resurrected and becomes an empress and her father's blindness is cured yeah i vaguely remember this <laughs> folktale um but it, it is really cool that it blends in with the author's like own biography yeah wait so is Shimchong? is it a fable about like filial piety or is it like 
a girl power story? Like what? It's it's a filial piety story for <laughs> sure. And this tale is told in pansori, which is like traditional Korean singing. So it's more of like a song as well. Oh, more like a an old timey musical <laughs> for like based rooted in Korean uh, traditions. Yeah. All right. Next up, Albert Whitman bought world English rights to The Wedding Shoe Snatch by Madhu Messenger. During a treasured Indian wedding tradition, Shilpa, the bride's sister, makes sneaky plans to snatch the groom's shoes, while Rishi, the groom's brother, attempts to guard the shoes. The book will be illustrated by Darshika Varma. Publication is slated for fall 2024. This so is this cute. a tradition in, in Indian weddings, snatching shoes? I don't think so. I think this is just the story of a sister who does not want to give her older sister away and oh, okay. like, yeah. wants to sabotage the wedding. That's what I'm getting from this. Yeah, um, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, sounds cute. Sounds like a fun story about coming to terms with, you know, changes in your family's life. Um, all right. Next up, Greystone Kids Bought Mountains by Julia Quo, a picture book exploring mountain ranges and their exhilarating peaks. Publication is planned for spring 2026. That is a pretty straightforward prompt. Yeah. Mountains and mountains. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a book titled Mountains that uh, shows mountains. Yeah. Yeah. I have never been like a nature person, but... Um, I'm sure there are young readers out there that that is their jam. Yeah, so, mountains are cool. Yeah. They're big. I mean, we live in a state where there we can just see mountains. It's just like a a, a Windows desktop background. Yeah, I mean, growing up, uh, it's not the same now because I moved away from the San Gabriel Valley. But where I used to live, which is where Rira lives, the mountains were always designed for where north was because that's where the mountain range is. And so now without the mountains being my my guide, my cardinal directions are all messed up here. <laughs> yeah, as as someone who like grew up in the east coast and um in the south, like I, we didn't really have mountains unless you like drove like a good distance away. So when I moved to California, I was like, "Whoa." <laughs> like there are actual mountains here. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So uh, congratulations to Julia on her picture book. Yeah. All right. Next up, Disney Hyperion bought author illustrator Primo Galanosa's The Pet Placement Society middle grade graphic novel series for the Melissa Dilla Cruz Studio uh, aimed at animal lovers and fans of the Babysitter's Club. A group of tweens form a club to find the perfect homes for animals at the local shelter while learning how to deal with middle school drama. Publication of the first book is slated for spring 2025. This sounds cute. Um, it's like a babysitter's club for the new generation because as we all know, children are now pets or pets are now children as evidenced by the many dogs in strollers in my local mall. Yeah, and I think it's really cute and uh, just wholesome that they're trying to find homes for their shelter dogs and yeah. shelter pets. So teaching, And also this book is for Melissa De La Cruz uh, Studio, and we recently talked to Melissa. Yeah, in an episode you'll hear in the future. Um, all right, our next deal, Joanna Cardenas acquired... Stand-up Yumi Chung author Jessica Kim's next middle-grade novel, On Thin Ice. 
This sibling rivalry story is about two polar opposite fraternal twins, one a figure ice skater and the other a hockey player who must team up if they want to win in their respective sports. Publication is set for spring 2025. Yo, Yo, I remember when I uh, met up with Jessica like not that long ago and she told me about this book and I was like, Jessica, this is my book. You know how much I love figure skating. (laughs) Yeah, it's like Korean American the cutting edge but without you know without the romance part of it right yeah i think she described it as like oh it's shib sibs but with more fart jokes and i was like i love it i love it awesome yeah congrats to jessica on her next book Um, we talked to her on this podcast um i guess a couple years ago at this point about her first book and yeah excited to see um where she goes from here All right, our final book deal is in a two-book agreement at auction, St. Martin's Press acquired world English rights to Anne Liang's A Song to Drown Rivers. The novel is a reimagining of the life of Shi Su, one of four beautiful women from an ancient Chinese legend. Pitched in the vein of Ariadne by Jennifer Saint and She Who Became the Sun by Shelley Parker Chan, the book is described to be a feminist take on the legend. Publication is slated for fall 2024. Yeah, we love feminist takes on patriarchal folklore and myths because, my God, there are so many. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking up the legend of Shisu, and it looks like she. This, her story is basically she. She was sent, according to Wikipedia, in a sexpionage operation to successfully bring down the state of Wu. Look at us not knowing our own like folk tales from our own culture. <laughs> We have to, like, look stuff up on Wikipedia. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, I'm not super, I'm I'm only familiar with, like, the the major folk tales, like the Monkey King and um, Legend and Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Um, I'm sure there has been, like, stories and media made of this story. Um, I'm reading the um, the Four Beauties of Ancient China, and I do recognize a couple of these names. Um, one of them, Dao Chan, was a character in The Three Kingdoms. But um, yeah, this sounds like, um, I think the underlying story of her being a spy makes for a really cool like political historical thriller. Yeah, and um, we've read She Who Became the Sun by Shelley Parker Chan, which uh, this book is being uh pitched in comparison and i really like that novel so i am down to read more reimaginings of um, chinese myths and folklore and just having that feminist twist to it yeah and that is the last book deal in our very long exhaustive list and we're gonna move on to book news yeah what is our first story Riva? all right so our first piece of news is she is a haunting by Trang Tan Tran has been on the New York Times bestsellers list for a whopping seven weeks. It debuted at number six on the week of March 8th, and it's currently sitting at number nine in the YA hardcovers bestsellers uh, category. Um, And according to Trang, I thought this uh, description was really funny. Uh, They describe the book as a closeted queer teen with daddy issues fighting a hungry house in Vietnam. So I thought that was a really funny description. Um, I've heard great things about this book. It's a creepy book. So for those of you who are, uh, I guess, like a little bit squeamish and don't like to be scared or anxious while reading, 
uh, proceed with caution, but this is great. Like, I love seeing Asian and Asian American authors, uh, you know, just being recognized by mainstream lists like these. Yeah. And as we all know, there's nothing more creepy than Asian ghost stories. <laughs> yeah. And I love how, you know, this is centered on. Uh, I love how this is centered on a queer protagonist as well. So this is this is a story that um, we don't really. This is a representation that we don't really see all that often. Although we are seeing more of it recently. Yeah, I mean, any longer we might have to also read it for a book club if you're up for a uh, a creepy book. It's been a while. Yeah, maybe for Halloween. Yeah, it's been a while since we've done something like creepy. I think the last was probably the hole, which is more of like yeah. a psychological thriller. I mean, that was creepy as well. <laughs> I, I did feel very like anxious uh, while reading it. Yeah. The thing is, I'm such a wuss when it comes to uh, like scary movies and scary books. I think it's because I have an overactive imagination <laughs> and I just imagine like all of the possibilities that can happen. Well, this sounds more like a gothic horror, which I think yeah, is yeah, probably it more is, It is kind jam. of like a gothic horror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, so our next piece of news is, according to Variety, Fifth Season is developing a series based on Jean Kwok's 2014 novel, Mambo in Chinatown, as well as her upcoming book, The Leftover Woman. Both TV series adaptations will be produced by Kristen Campo under her Camp Out banner. Uh, Fifth Season is the production house behind Severance, Tokyo Vice, and 80 for Brady, and um, Mambo in Chinatown, it's about a 22-year-old Charlie Wong who is torn between her family duties in Chinatown and her escape into the world of ballroom dancing. You know, I didn't know that there was a ballroom dancing culture in, um, in like, the Chinese community, in, especially in, like, Chinatown community. Oh, yeah, especially with the older members of the community. Um, and, you know, that's something that came into mainstream, our mainstream consciousness in a very terrible way back during the Lunar Near um, incidents. But, yeah, it's definitely a, um, like, ballroom dancing and surprisingly line dancing was very popular with the Chinese community uh, when I was growing up as well. Yeah, it's very interesting. And I think it makes for a really good story. Yeah. Um, and Jean Kwok's other book, The Leftover Woman, it will be coming out on October 10th, 2023 by William Morrow, and it is described as an evocative family drama and riveting mystery about the ferocious pull of motherhood for two very different women. Yeah, I mean, it's always cool to see, like, Asian stories being picked up and option. Um, I always have to kind of rein my expectations because, A, you know, we still don't know who's going to be working on these series, like, who's going to be directing, who's going to be cast, and, you know, those all are all really important decisions. And the other fact that, like, not all these projects will make it to the finish line. So, you know, it's cool that they've taken the first steps. It's cool that Gene Kwok has two projects um, in the pipe. Hopefully we'll see both of these in, in the near future on our screens. You know, she has three projects down the pipe because uh, A Girl in Translation, her 2010 book, is currently being developed by Warner Brothers Television. I don't know if we covered that uh, when it when the news broke, but yeah, yeah. she's... She has a lot of books that can possibly be made into TV shows in the next couple of years. Yeah. So, yeah, like hopefully they will make it to the finish line. All right. So our last 
piece of news is also an adaptation news. People reported that Will Sharp from White Lotus will be directing the film adaptation of Michelle Zahner's memoir, Crying in H Mart, for MGM's Orion Pictures. Uh, the memoir centers around a coming-of-age story about uh, Michelle, a half-Korean daughter who returns to a small town in Oregon to care for her ailing Korean mother. Um, and Will Sharp is mixed race as well. He's uh, British and Japanese. So I remember in an interview he said that he could relate to a lot of thing, a lot of the experiences in crying in H Mart. Yeah, um, I think so. We we talked about this in my other podcast as well, um, Good Pop, and this is one of the things that, like, yeah, it's really cool that the story is being made into a movie. And I mean, Michelle's Honors book is such a big hit; like, it's such a crossover hit that, like, it's not surprising that it's got option for adaptation um i wonder like how do you feel about will sharp directing this movie as like a japanese british um man i mean obviously there's going to be similarities like what it means to grow up mixed race and growing up between two cultures and uh, figuring out your identity so i think there's a lot of common ground that he can uh, draw from his own experiences to help him direct but i also think it really depends on who they get for this project. Uh, I really do hope that they do uh, get Korean Americans who have similar experiences as Michelle or can draw on like the Korean American experience as like someone who is a mixed race child. Um, but yeah, I feel like crying in HMAR, it was such a hit because there were universal themes. So I, I am optimistically cautious. Yeah, I guess it's just that also could have been hired. So it's it's a little like it's always a little eyebrow raising when like decisions like this happen. Maybe because I'm too close to the industry that like, OK, I, I can see why they went with this guy because his name is on the rise. Um, and I guess for me, it's also a little ironic, right? Because you have Will Sharp, a Japanese British man directing this film based on a book written by Michelle Zahner, a Korean American woman who performs under the pseudonym Japanese Breakfast. So it's kind of like like an Ouroboros of like representation, like eating its own tail, sort of, right? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely an interesting dynamic. Um, and I do worry that some of the specificity in like Korean cooking and Korean food, because, you know, this book is called Crying in H-Mart. H-Mart is a Korean uh, grocery store. So uh, I... I am wary of like, oh, is that specificity going to be lost? Because like sometimes I'll see content where it's a Korean American family and I look at their table and I'm like, that's not <laughs> what Koreans eat. Or I'm like, that's not how they serve their food. It's like such a small detail, but it still like bothers me. So I don't know. Like, yeah, uh, like I said, I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I guess we'll wait to see, you know, the production design, the casting, and all the other stuff. But, you no, know, the, the team, I do like Will Sharp. I haven't seen his directing work, but I did enjoy his character on White Lotus. So, um, yeah, I guess looking forward to learning more about this project. I mean, it's going to be it's gonna be a big deal for the community when it comes out, too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hopefully music from Japanese Breakfast oh, <laughs> as, like, the soundtrack. I'm pretty sure that is, like... 
it better the be. requirement of her selling the rights to the book. <laughs> you know? huh. All right. I guess with that, that'll do it for our mid-month check-in for April 2023. Um, we are a little over a week away from Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. As always, we're going to have a little fun activity for you all during that month um we were in our hard at work trying to figure out what we're gonna do this time um but keep an eye on instagram for for the announcements and speaking of announcements um we are launching our patreon um for the first time in six years we are exploring ways to um support this podcast and what we do because we do want to do more um so if you are interested in supporting us um, keep an eye out as well Uh, we'll we'll definitely appreciate all of your help Yeah, and also we're going to be at the Festival of AAPI Books at Bel Canto Books. Um, A bunch of authors that we have interviewed on this podcast are going to be there. Uh, Julie Abe, Suzanne Park, um, and also they call us Bruce uh, host Jeff Yang and Phil Yu, who is part of the Potluck uh, Collective. So yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, So if you're going... Say hi to us. Yeah, it's taking place in Long Beach, California. Um, So May 13th, come and say hi if you're going to be around. And before we go, um, Rira, um, can you remind us what we are reading for book club uh, for April? We are reading Jesse Q. Sutanto's Vera Wong's Unsolicited Advice for Murderers. It's a cozy mystery about a 60-year-old self-proclaimed tea expert and she finds a dead man in the middle of her tea shop. And she thinks that she can investigate the case better than the police. So um, it is quite a funny book. It is more of like a mystery comedy type of story. And I think Jesse has like such a great sense of humor. So it's, it's a pretty fun read. Yeah. I'm looking forward to discussing that with you all at the end of the month. Um, as always, um, if you finish the book, let us know your thoughts. Um, we'd love to include them in our podcast discussion. But with that, thank you for listening to our April 2023 mid-month check-in. Um, we'll see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to Books and Boba. This podcast was hosted by Marvin Yue and Rira Yu and edited and produced by Marvin Yue. Follow the book club on Twitter and Instagram by going to at Books and Boba and engage with us on Goodreads on our Goodreads group. You can also check out past episodes of the podcast by going to booksandboba.com and by subscribing to us on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget, you can support Books and Boba and Asian American authors by purchasing books at our bookshop.org account. Check out the link in our show notes and also at booksandboba.com. Books and Boba is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts featuring unique voices and stories from the Asian diaspora. Learn more about the collective and check out our fellow Potluck shows by visiting the website podcastpotluck.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, I'm Bill Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. 
So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallspruce.com. Peace. Peace. Peace.